welcome back to the Eurotrips Football Podcast. We're here for another week where we discuss all things going on in domestic Europe. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm firstly joined by returning guest, Ryan. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. Thank you. Good stuff. And another one of our regulars in Naeem is here. How are you, mate? Yeah, not doing too bad, thanks. And he's back once again for a consecutive week. Back with us again is Jonathan. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Great stuff. And you'll see your... Speaking to us from stateside, so what's it, about 10 a.m. your time at the moment? Yep, uh, 10 a.m. So um, I'm surprised I'm uh, I'm awake at such an early time, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, mind you, when I, when I was in America doing my travels and I did, when we did these podcasts um, early on in the season, and I remember both when I was in Seattle and when I was in L.A., it felt weird. It was, again, for you like it is now, it was 10 a.m. for me. And about, yes, I did just woken up and then these boys have already been to work and already finished the day. So it is it is quite weird how how different it is. But I suppose the world is a massive place, I suppose. But um, yeah, that jet lag come back, I'll never recover from that. I don't think I still have. It's been two months. <laughs> I don't think I've most, my sleep's not been really good ever since I came back. So yeah, it's um it's a good place to go. But it's, um yeah, you did certainly um feel it when you, when you come back to the UK. And I'm sure same for you if you went to the UK and came back. Um, but yeah, we're going to head straight into it. Um, and we're going to head, first of all, to our sort of what changes are going on in the league table and any top goal scorer rankings. So we'll head to you first, Ryan, um, for anything that's changed recently in Syria. Because I know you want to discuss the um, Champions League race. Yeah, there's plenty going on in Serie A as, as there always is. Uh, Cremonese at the bottom is still without a win. After 24 games, it doesn't look like it's ever going to come. So, could very well end the season with with zero wins, which would be quite embarrassing. Uh, Juve, they've moved up to eighth from the table. Um, gone on a little bit of a winning run. Since the disappointment of uh, being deducted all those points a couple of months ago, uh, Fiorentina are down to 15th. Now winless in their last five league games as well. So concern definitely there in Florence. Uh, at the top, Napoli are 18 points clear. They've won the league. That's done. But yeah, um, in terms of the Champions League race at the moment, there's six points separating second and sixth. Um, Inter, Milan, Na- uh, Roma, Lazio and Atalanta are all in that little race. Um for the Champions League. In a, we're beaten at the weekend by Thiago Motta's impressive Bologna side, who um, are doing bits at the minute. They're in seventh in the table. Probably um, too much to ask for a European spot, which is obviously the top six, I believe. But you never know. You know, They keep winning. They keep pulling out results. You know, it's hard to say where they may finish. Uh, Milan were impressive against Atlanta at San Siro. That was a massive win. They're now three from three. Uh, Roma, they're in fourth spot at the moment. They're in decent form and uh, they've got a great chance, in my opinion, whilst their big rivals, Lazio, they're a bit inconsistent right now. Something they'd need to sort out if they were to make a go of it. But Atlanta are the out-of-form team right now. They've lost three from their last four in the league and they're looking vulnerable. Uh, not even Adamola Lookman and his 12 goals this season is, is helping right now. Uh, but crucially, there's still 14 games yet to play. 
So that's a lot of points still to be won and lost. Um, for me, I think the table will finish how it is right now in terms of the top four. Um, I'd swap Inter and Milan around. So I think Milan will finish second behind Napoli and Inter will finish in third. I don't see either of those two dropping out of the top four. I think they've got too much quality there. And uh, I feel like Roma will get that last Champions League spot. You know, they've been impressive of late, although they're still in the Europa League. Um, it's hard to say how far they'll go in that. But, you know, they've got most of their top quality players back fit. Uh, Dybala's scoring goals at the moment. Abraham's back scoring goals as well. And they look to have found a bit more balance in midfield. So I'd expect them to get the fourth spot with uh, Lazio and Atalanta um, missing out. But yeah, like I say, there's, uh, there's a long way yet to go. Any particular for you, Ryan? Any sort of moment of the weekend? You know, you've, um, you know, Juventus obviously they're currently in eighth, and they 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 would be in second or joint second if they won. But in terms of what you just mentioned and how the weekend went, any sort of particular moments that stood out for you uh, this weekend? Yeah, I mean, seeing Ibrahimovic return after his lengthy injury was nice to see at the age of forty-one which is um, quite insane, to be honest with you. Um, still doing it for Milan. And you'd imagine he will have a big impact on uh, on their results from now to the end of the season. You know, he's a leader in that team and he often can, can score crucial goals when it matters. And I think that'll help. So, yeah, it was great to see, see him back. Um, you know, I forgot to mention as well the, the you know, the, top goal scorers currently in the league because that's quite interesting. Victor Osimhen has got 19 goals at the moment, um, six clear of the next best, which is Latarola Martinez. You know, his, his numbers this season have just been insane and with so many games yet to play, I have, you know, every, uh, every respect that he'll finish with 30 plus goals, which will be such a big achievement. Um, for for such a young striker as well, but um, Ballarandola, Spezia is having a really good season. He's got eleven goals as well, which um, you don't often see with you know a striker in a club that's battling for you know to stay in the division. So you know, great to see from uh, from a striker that not many people know about. And uh, Cavara Tischelio, for me, the best player in the league at the moment. And has been all season. He's in fifth place with ten goals. You know, he's got more goals than the likes of Chiro Mobile, who you know, you know, I rate quite highly. Paolo Dybala, Rafael Liao, even Dusan Vlahovic. You know, so the fact that he's he's got so many goals and assists just shows what what a remarkable you know player he's been this season. And um, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting watching him and Osimham going forward because they've developed such a great partnership between them. And um, one thing I'm sick of seeing is, you know, the, the the absolutely poor journalists in this country continuing to, you know, link them with Premier League moves just because they're playing well at the moment and they, you know, they're almost uh, downgrading Serie A. Um, to some, you know, third world country league where, you know, yeah, they're doing all right, but obviously could they do it in the Premier League? You know, shut up, Glenn Hoddle, you don't know what you're on about. So 
just yeah that, that that probably annoyed me a little bit but what can you say yeah, I mean, it's interesting, actually, that you know, we did the European one last week, but actually all the English teams, none, no one won in the first round of knockouts in the Champions League. You look at Liverpool's lost to Madrid and Chelsea's lost to Dortmund and, you know, Tottenham's lost to Milan and City's draw against Leipzig. I mean, it's um, considering all the stuff I went on with Guillaume Balaguer and on CBS talking about how we need an even playing field, but yet Madrid are the reigning champions and none of the teams won so I don't think, you know, I think we like to, with all the money spent, we like to think that England's best league in the world. But actually, when you, when you think about it, you know, in Europe, we, we don't think we perform as well as we think we should. Albeit, you know, we had had, you know, Chelsea won it two years ago. We won it three years ago. Got to the final again this year. So it's, you know, I think it's still a league of dom, but I don't think it's quite a, a sort of a, a gap as maybe maybe people are making out in um online and things like that. Um, you mentioned a moment there that got you annoyed. I mean, for me, a moment that got me annoyed or angry this week was a guy that I love and I really hate the fact I've got to criticise him on a podcast. But Jordan Henderson, I, I got me angry this week because I don't know whether you boys watched our nil nil draws palace that went on on Saturday night, um, where there was a free kick from Trent Alexander Arnold and it took a block, um, went out for a goal kick and obviously came off Jordan Henderson. And if you look at the replay, that ball is going straight to top right corner. It's going pretty much poacher stamp in that goal. And Henderson basically gets in the way. And it annoyed me because for a guy that's so experienced um, and a guy that should know better than that, um, that basically really, back in there, that cost us the win. And that could be crucial in terms of our top four hopes, which also took a blow with that draw after what was a good week, beating Newcastle and Everton. Um, and yeah, I think it's a shame because it just, you know, it just shows maybe a lack of lack, lack, lack of concentration, which he's been, you know, he's really never had that really in the last few years. But um, moment for, moment of week for me, I probably give it to a third post goal for Leeds against Southampton because that was a huge game. You know, both teams, uh, both teams were in a relegation zone at the start of play. I mean, looking at now, there that win for Leeds one 0 against Southampton means they're clear of the relegation zone. They're in seventeenth, just one point ahead of. 18th place Everton but of course that was a big big game because a Samton win would have put them level on points with Everton would have put Leeds bottom as well uh, with all the results that happened elsewhere this weekend so to get the goal in the only goal of the game with 77 minutes gone I think was huge and that's a great big moment of the weekend the big moment of the season because if Leeds stay up by one or two points or even three points looking at their goal difference compared to Southampton and Bournemouth um, that could be huge and you know that he'll go down as a legend you know Javi Garcia I don't know how long he'll last there but um, you know it's a similar thing where that will be a big moment come the end of the year so that's really what I would pick as my moment of the week um, Jonathan over to you um, for you what would you say has been your biggest moment of the week when it comes to Bundesliga as well as any moments that potentially got you a bit annoyed or a bit angry over the weekend yeah, I'm going, first going to start with um, what got me a little bit upset. Uh, I was working on Friday, and after I after work, I checked my phone, and I saw that Mainz had beaten Gladbach 4-0. I couldn't believe it. I had a few Gladbach players in my Bundesliga fantasy lineup, um, and I thought they would have at least scored a goal or put up some sort of effort in this game. But this Gladbach team has been confusing me all year. We saw them. Just a couple of season go, uh, seasons ago in the Champions League knockout stages against Manchester City, and here they are. Uh, it's very doubtful that they'll be making the European places this season, but they they lost to Hertha 4-1, uh, 
couple of weeks ago. They followed that up last week and they beat Bayern 3-2 and then they fell right back down to earth again against Mainz and lost 4-0. Uh, this team makes no sense. They have Marcus Turam, Alessandro Plea, um, Jonas Hoffman, Benson Bayini. They've got a very talented team, but you know they're either winning against some of the top teams in the league or they're having these absolute catastrophic losses, which I don't understand. And so that got me a little frustrated. Uh, but then again, my fantasy Bundesliga team is is down in the dumps anyway. So it's it's gone long past the time since I should have been caring about that. But um, probably the performance of the week has to go to Schalke. They've been down at the bottom of the Bundesliga table for, for months now. And just a few weeks ago, it felt like it was hopeless that they were going to get relegated. It was um, a done story. But all of a sudden, they had four straight 0-0, nil-nil draws in a row. And then they finally got a win over Stuttgart, another relegation-threatened team, 2-1. And actually, some pretty decent goals from, from Dominic Drexler and Marianne Bulter as well. Um, it's a huge win, so that means five straight Bundesliga games without a loss for Schalke, which I never thought I'd be saying that this season. So pretty impressive stuff. I mean, yeah, I um, you know, I sat down on Sunday afternoon at half four UK time, you know, looking forward to two finals at the same time, looking at having, you know, I had on the big screen we had Newcastle Man U in the Carabao Cup final. And then on the flip side we had on on my iPad, I also had the Bayern Union Berlin game, and I was looking forward to what was gonna be two great finals and both of them, for me, massive, massive disappointed. I mean, I'll mention Manu Newcastle later on. Manu did get the win over Newcastle 2-0. But, you know, Union Berlin Biden was over within within half an hour. I mean, it was just the goal kept on coming and coming. And I was left um, upset by that because, you know, I was looking forward to a good title race. But, you know, it still is. Um, but how's the table looking now, Jonathan, after the weekend's results? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I felt... Union were definitely going to lose that game and against Bayern. They had played Ajax midweek and a great result to advance to the to the knockout round of the Europa League. But you know, with their squad depth, which is incomparable to Bayern Munich, I never felt that they really had a chance in that game. But I mean, yeah, Bayern and Dortmund tied at the top. They play each other, I believe it's April first, and and that will be at the Allianz Arena in Munich. Um, but we'll see if Dortmund can actually hold on. They haven't lost in the Bundesliga in 2023 yet. I actually don't think they've lost in any competition in this calendar year so far, but we all know Dortmund and we all know at some point they're probably going to drop um, some points against a lackluster side. And then at the bottom of the table, you know, this weekend's past results really showed that we have quite quite a uh, relegation race at the bottom of the table. Schalke are on 16 points. Bochum, Hoffenheim, and Stuttgart are on 19. And then Hertha, who finally got a win um, on match day 22, are now up into 14th at 20 points. So we've got, you know, five five or so teams within a few points of each other. It's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there a few teams at the bottom. You know, you said there's four points separating 18th and 15th. You know, and Hertha Berlin point above that. So for you, Jonathan, um, I mean, looking at the table for me, it looks like it's between five teams. But who would you say are the teams that are gonna, the two that are gonna go down, and which team do you reckon is gonna be in that in that playoff game come the end of the season? I still, I still believe uh, Schalke and Bochum will be going down. Those are the teams currently in 18th, and then Bochum in 17th by goal difference. I think Bochum lack the quality at the end of the day. 
in order to stay up against teams such as Hertha, Stuttgart, and Hoffenheim. Um, Hoffenheim, you know, many people had pegged them before this season to be competing for those European places, but they followed, fired their coach, Andre Breitenreiter, a few weeks ago, and they haven't won a league game since early October against Schalke. So it's been a pretty brutal stretch for them. But at the end of the day, um, you know, they've got guys like Angelino, Robert Scove out on the wing, um, Ilas Bebu, um, Andre Kremerich, who many will know from the from the Croatian national team. Um, so I think they will get back at some point and escape that relegation zone. And then Schalke, you know, they can't continue these draws and narrowly escaping a win against the lowly Stuttgart side forever. So I like Bochum and Schalke to go down. And then in the relegation playoff spot, I still like Stuttgart. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. And that is all to come over the next uh, three months in Germany. Uh, moving on from Germany to Spain and Naim. Um, so, you know, we obviously mentioned on the podcast last week that we were meant to go to a game in Valencia. Um, mm-hmm. That game happened on Saturday. We are still looking to go ahead to there at the end of, at the start of March. And, you know, it's a, um interesting race at the bottom. I mean, it's, um, been quite the um quite the season for the relegation battle this season. So what's been happening in terms of the table changes this weekend and uh what do you see happening with the relegation spots? Yeah, so with the table changes, um quite a few of the teams from like twelfth to eighteenth well twelfth to nineteenth are obviously in the relegation fight. There's only five points separating twelfth to nineteenth place. Obviously Catafe, they take on Villarreal um later on. So they get a win, they'll temporarily move outside the relegation zone, putting real Valladolid into the relegation um spot. But uh, obviously Valencia, they did get a win against Real Sociedad 1-0 at home. You know, the first win since November, um, and the first win under their new manager. So, you know, crucial points there. They did they did obviously temporarily move out of the relegation zone, but obviously because of results elsewhere, they are currently back in 18th spots. So Yes, yeah, it's, it's obviously Elche, they're pretty much down and out now. They actually did go 2-0 up against um against Real Betis. Um, it was the first game on Friday. But they had two men sent off, and then in the second half, Real Betis did turn it around to make it 3-2. Um, so obviously that helps them in their quest to maybe finish fourth this season uh, due to Atletico Madrid dropping points in the Madrid derby against uh, Real Madrid. They actually did take the lead first hand but uh Robert did peg them back one one. But um yeah it's it's quite hard to say who's who's gonna get relegated really because because there's not really much points in it. It's 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 just quite hard to really tell who's gonna go on a bit of run of form. Like obviously Valencia they looked like they're down and out but I don't know if they can go on a run now. They got um Barcelona next in the league away so that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, that's one of I'd, with I'd say the performance of the weekend was probably Almera against Barcelona. I was there is they beat them narrowly one nil um on on Saturday. That was before that was before the um before the Real Madrid Atletico Madrid game. They could have went ten points clear, but obviously they they lost one nil to them. And yes, yeah, so, so it's. I I probably will say Valencia might be safe. You know, at the moment they're only what one point from from safety, but it's just yeah, it's it's just hard to say. Also, Sevilla still down there. I think their best chance. I think they're going to be focusing on the on the Europa League. So we'll we'll see what happens there. So 
El Che there, they're certain to go down. And yeah, it's just it's out. It, it can be any team from 12th to 19th that can go down. So yeah, let's obviously keep a uh, close eye on that. And yeah, we'll see what happens. And was there a goal for you? Because, I mean, performance of the week, you mentioned it there, but in terms of goals of the week, um, any particular goals that stood out as one of, one of the better ones this weekend? Yeah, so obviously it came in Sevilla's defeat on the weekend. It was scored by Nemanja Gudelec. Uh, the ball came out to him about, say, 30 yards out. Hit, he took a touch, hit it, and then the goalkeeper got wrong-footed, and then, yeah, he literally was planted to the, to, to the obviously, his six-yard box, and yeah, it was, it, that was a good goal, in my opinion. Um, a moment that did get me angry was Angel Correa. He got a straight red for violent conduct um, in the Madrid derby against Rudiger. Atletico Madrid, they had a throw-in near enough by the halfway line. Rudiger was quite tight to him, and then Correa, he pretty much elbowed him in the chest, and yeah, he got straight red for that. So, obviously, he'll be out for three games. So, it was, it was pointless to do, you know. Obviously, with these sort of things, defenders will keep tight to you, but... Yeah, it was just, it was pointless for him to do. He, he might have been winding him up all, all game, but yeah, that that was a moment that got me angry as well um, in, during the weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, Jonathan, for you, any particular goals that stood out in the Bundesliga this weekend? It'd probably just be Schalke's two goals. They took him with um, some really good class. I thought Marian Buter's goal was sort of a a backheel flip almost, and that was to secure the two one victory, which was. Absolutely huge. Um, I honestly didn't think I would see Schalke win again this season, so that had to be my goal of the week. And Ryan, how about you? What's, what's the best goal this weekend for you in Syria? Oh, it was uh, probably a straight 50-50, really, between uh, Teo Hernandez's goal for Milan against Atalanta, which was a really good volley. But it was similar to that of Jorginho's for Arsenal the other day, where it's sort of... As, come back off the woodwork and hit the goalkeeper and gone in so um just because of that I've uh, I've actually gone with Koulibaly's goal for Salernitana and their 3-0 win over Monza um edge of the box curls it into the top far corner great goal and a massive win for for Salernitana as well okay well for me my goal of the week comes in the form of Declan Rice his goal against Nottingham Forest in their 4-0 win which had a couple of goals from Danny Ings, um, but also Declan Rice's goal, which is the third of the game. His goal basically took the ball, edge of the box, and killed it top right corner into the back of that. And that's a big goal in terms of as well. Uh, sorry, a big win for West Ham because they're, you know, as it stands in the Premier League, just three points separate 18th and 20th. And then from Everton and 18th to um, Leicester and 14th and Forest and 15th, in 13th, I should say. There's only about four or five points separating these teams. So Villa have got a bit of a gap on the rest, but likes of Palace, Forest, Leicester are um, edging at the wrong part of the table. And I think it's a really fascinating sort of relegation battle. And also, you know, top of the table as well. It's pretty interesting. Both City and Arsenal both getting wins. Um, you know, there's two points separate the two sides, but Arsenal do have a game in hand, as do Man U, who can go within uh, three points of Man City if they win their game in hand. And even top four, you know, Tottenham, Newcastle, Fulham, Liverpool are all, are all, you know, battling out for that fourth place. You know, I'm going to Anfield Wednesday. So now I'm hoping that we can get a win against Wolves. And Wolves themselves are in the 15th. So I think that's a big game I'll be going to for both ends of the table. Uh, hopefully, you know, I'm there for the right result. But it's, um, 
really led to me to my um, performance. Uh, sorry, my but yeah, my performance of the week, which came in not the Premier League but the League Cup final. And I'm going to say Casemiro was my performer of the week. Um, he had an excellent game in their two-nil win over Newcastle in the final of the Carabao Cup. Scored the first goal and had a really good performance. Juan Bissaka was also someone that had a a great performance uh, since coming on to replace Dallow second half. I think he really. Um, slow Newcastle down. Newcastle really second half didn't really offer too much. Um, but yeah, I thought Casemiro was um was a brilliant, brilliant uh, performer in that game, and I think he um really brings me on to my my debate. So Casemiro, he joined from Madrid in the summer. You know, there was definitely people talking about whether he was going there maybe too late in his career, but he's proved all the critics wrong, and he's been. An amazing, amazing signing for Manu. And that's what I want to discuss with you boys is, is he the signing of the season? For me, I'd say yes. But I think there's other contenders, like you can look at Haaland, Nick Pope, Sven Botman. Um, you know, you'd say Saliba, but he's not been there. He's been there two years, but he's only gotten to the side this year. You can look at Sandro Martinez. But would you boys say the signing season is Casemiro or would you maybe look at someone else? <laughs> Um, I think it depends on how the season ends um, and in terms of who has an impact in maybe winning the title. I think if Haaland goes on to keep scoring in the manner that he is and he finishes with some ridiculous, you know, figure of 40-odd goals, then I'd have, I think, you know, you'd, ha- you'd have to say him. But I feel like if, if Arsenal do go on and win it, then you've got to look at either Zinchenko or Jesus if he comes back from his injury and has a real big impact. But I think Zinchenko has been phenomenal for us this season. He's brought a leadership into the team and for for the, for the amount of money that we paid for him, he's been a revelation at left-back to, to, to keep uh, Kieran Tierney on the bench, who not long ago was one of our most important players. It's no small task and... You know, he's really changed how we play. So I think he would have to be looked at as well. But, you know, you mentioned a lot of good names there. And I just think it, it it's whoever, you know, has the biggest impact in, you know, a team having a really successful end to the season um, before we can say. But, but up to now, I think you'd have to say Casemiro has been one of the best, if not the best. He's really transformed... United's midfield and um, the leadership again that he's brought to the team has been fundamental, you'd have to say. And again, I was one of those people who not 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 heavily criticised the move when it happened because I've always known, like many other people, that he's you know world class midfielder, and I don't think that ever changed even when he made the move. But I think I just questioned why he made the move personally. I know he'd been at Madrid for a very long time. Maybe it was because of who Madrid was starting to buy in Tushimeni um, and Camavinga. Perhaps he didn't want to be forced out or, you know, end up sitting on the bench. So it's a move that's worked out well for, for all parties, really. Uh, There's no shock there that you went straight to the Arsenal players. But Zinchenko, for me, I, I get that one because he is someone that I think has been a great impact. And I think he's brought over the City, almost a Man City sort of winning mentality over to Arsenal. I think he's been a great addition. Jesus, I wouldn't say yet, only because he hasn't played 
he's only played like half the season so far. But I think you know, certainly if he'd been there the whole year, injury free, I do think that maybe he would have been a contender because he was looking like that. Even though he wasn't getting the goals, I think he's doing a lot of stuff off the ball that um you know did, well, that, that was doing well. And I think also last last few years he just it does seem to turn to Pele when it comes to um late on in the season. I think last season I remember particularly well he started scoring at this time of year. So I think, you know, you get back fit mid-March, early April, you know, for the big title run and particularly against Matadi in April. I think, you know, to have him there, someone who's got experience in scoring in these big games, who um, knows how to win them, I think that will only be, you know, a good thing for Arsenal. I do think that that's going to really help them when it, um, when, it, when it comes to that time of year. Exactly that. I just think, I've read today that they're hoping to have him back before the international break in March, which would be a big boost. And then if he's then fit for for April and May in particular, you know, we've got some we've got some big games to play in those. So I think if he has a real big impact in those games and you know, not that he doesn't need to necessarily score loads of goals, you know, because we've got players in the team that can also do that as well. But the fact that he he dic- dictates the way we play up front. You know, he, for such a small guy, he can hold the ball up so well and he brings others into the game so, so nicely. So that's the difference he he would make. And, you know, yeah, probably, a, you know, an outside shout, don't get me wrong for the player of the, uh, the sign of the season rather, but certainly Zinchenko, I think, is um, without a doubt a, a notable player to, to mention in that category. And, of course, I had to go to Arsenal first because we're top of the league. <laughs> yeah, you make a point, and I, I wish I could be saying the same thing. Um, I, I, there's not an award, is there? There should be an award for this category. I do feel like they should they should maybe have this in the PFA awards as a uh, as an award. I know they give obviously player of the year, young player of the year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but um, you know, I, I do think that's a category that you know should be considered for PFA awards because it is. It's not like it's most improved where you're basically implying someone was crap before. I think it's um, an award that I think would would be welcome. I think I'm surprised it's not you know it's not given as an award because um, it's, it's as subjective as everything else. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised by that. Jonathan, um, you know we've mentioned some names, both me and Ryan. Who would you say has been your signing this season in the Premier League? Um, yeah, who, who would you say that's been? I think if you had asked me uh, in late 2022, I probably would have said Holland, but you know he's maybe slightly dropped off in these last couple of months. So I will have to give it to Casemiro. But I think what's equally important is getting Cristiano Ronaldo out of out of the club, mm. which I, if you asked me a couple of years ago, I never thought I'd be saying Casemiro going from Madrid to Manchester United and Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo going from Manchester United to be to Saudi Arabia. Um, as a win for uh, for the for um, for United, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just opened up exactly what Ten Hag wants to do, and it's given Marcus Rashford new life. It's it's given several other pl- players on that front line new life, and you know, I still see people on Twitter saying, "Oh, Ronaldo had uh, I I don't know the exact statistic, but it was like twenty four goals in in thirty nine games, which is pretty similar to." Uh, Rashford's output at the moment in his last 30 odd games or so but um, I mean just you can just see it on the way they're playing is they're playing with a lot more freedom and obviously at the end of the day they're getting the results Uh, I did want to include if we look up 
Euro Europe as a whole. I know Casemiro went for what was it around sixty million odd pounds or so. Um, it has to be Caradonna. What was that? Ten million euros to Napoli. Uh, unbelievable signing. It still boggles my mind how Premier League clubs or or even clubs in other countries um, just completely missed out on on this guy's. We've sort of heard rumors of him for the last year or two. I remember Fabrizio Romano tweeting something interesting about him before he signed for Napoli. Um, so that has to be probably my signing um, in Europe's top five leagues. I'd also put Randall Colomoani uh, of Frankfurt up there as well. Yeah, I think the point about Ten Hag, I think is brilliant. I think he, he probably is the signing of the season if you include managers in there because he's completely changed the culture around the Man U, you know. I was one of those ones that thought they should have kept Ronaldo, but um, well, that up until the point where he did the, the Piers Morgan interview. But um, you know, he's proved to be absolutely right in what he's done, getting rid of him because you know, as we saw just before he moved there, that they were playing well, and I think he's gotten playing to a, that sort of standard again. And I, I still firmly believe that they they could nick the title uh, with a you know maybe Arsenal's overcome that bad form like Leicester did a few years ago, but. Um, yeah, I think certainly if Arsenal go back into poor form, I think Man U could make it because I don't think Man City are in, are in good form at all, even though they won 4-1 against Bournemouth. But that is because they're playing Bournemouth. Uh, but Naeem, um, now we've we've sort of turned now into um, as well as Premier League signings, also other leagues um, signings. So who are some people maybe we haven't mentioned yet that you say would be contenders for signing the season, not only in the Premier League, but also in La Liga, in Serie A and, um, and the Bundesliga? Oh, well, the Premier League ones, pretty much all of you have said, all of you have said the ones that I was going to pick. But I think it's quite, quite, it's quite interesting, really, because see top teams in the league are um, not really anyone, anyone, anyone of note, really. Um, it wasn't really too much, too much business in the summer. So I probably would say Kassim Red is probably top five. I guess it does depend what happens in the last part of the season. You know, obviously, he pretty much won everything at Real Madrid. Obviously, people people did obviously question the signing because it kind of did come out of nowhere. But, yeah, like, like I said, he's, he's brought that winning mentality. And when he's not in that Man United midfield, um, there is a big difference. Um, and obviously, touching on the final, I think, I think he's only lost um, one out of 16 finals he's played. Um so yeah, he's he just brought that winning culture from Real Madrid, and yeah, he's, he's still at thirty-one years old. You know, people just thought, oh, he's just gonna come here just for the pay packet, just to kind of just wind down. But yeah, he kind of just seems as hungry as ever, and it is um, just a testament to his character as a, as a player, really. So I'll I'll probably say he's probably in my top five um, signings of the season so far. But you know, it it could all change um, in the last. 13-14 games of the season. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they, they could still win the FA Cup, could still win the Europa League and, you know, got a small chance of winning the Premier League as well. So I think all round, it's a, and also they won, already got one trophy in the bank um, already uh, as of yesterday, which sadly was not the Carrows redemption game, but um, still a trophy for them. Uh, but that has been the end of our podcast. Um, so, Hello to all of our new listeners, if you are listening, as well as uh, do like, share, subscribe on our YouTube channel. Um, we are bringing out F1 and Boxing Podcast, courtesy of Ryan. Uh, I believe you're recording one after this episode, Ryan. I, I can't think whether it's Boxing or F1 you're doing. Uh, which, one, which one are you doing later on, Ryan? 
Uh, boxing. Okay, so of course I, I'm sure. I don't know whether Jake Paul, Tommy Fury will be mentioned, but I'm sure that if you are a boxing fan listening, there'll be some great boxing insights from Ryan and his guests. So do check out that. And obviously F1 is coming as well. And of course, our other sister podcast, the Across the Pod podcast, is taking a break right now with the NFL in the off-season. But we will be back with that end of March with some NFL draft and free agency-based episodes. So yeah, do you check out those as well if you like those sports as well. But that has been the Eurotrips podcast. I've been Andy. This has been Jonathan, Ryan and Naeem. And we will see you guys next time.